This is the Bruce.com podcast. Round two of our chat with Bruce is just on the way. Thank you very much to uh, everybody who's commented on the first one. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, do go and check it out from the same site you found this one or on iTunes. Uh, Bruce was in fine form. He talked about his current projects and his current health situation. He's uh, in perfectly fine fettle. I think everyone who heard that would agree. Um, we talked about the new artists that have caught Bruce's eye or ear just recently and uh, his online presence too. The musical downloads were available uh, and that are soon to come as well. So that was in last week's. Uh, we're just going to talk this week about some more of your questions. Uh, stick with us and right after this we'll be back with Bruce. When Rainbow said he would throw down, he would say Then Rainbow would take it to the rack, they say All the people would say Hey, then all the cards to the short skirts All the pom-pom girls say All the cheerleaders say Hey, all the girls in the short skirts Well, hey, hey A strong pull I would flash his moves for the worshipful Well I show the moves from side to side go over your head and dot your eyes dot your eyes hey, well, every night about a quarter town around the middle of June to the summer's end a people would gather from miles around to see the mighty rainbow knock them down Joseph had what Joseph had in the Bible had what every night about a quarter ten from the middle of June to the summer's end. A people would gather from miles around to see the mighty rainbow knock them down. 
for the collection plate. Every night he would dominate. I jump to the top and pick up a dime, throw it down at the proper time. Well, every night, about a quarter ten, I got the military to some of it. So we're back with a second week with Bruce. How, what a seamless transition that was. <laughs> um, if you could only hear what was going on in the background. Um, let's jump straight into the questions. We've got a bunch of them once again. And David Weiss, like a great friend from St. Louis. Uh, this is more of a uh, statement than a question. I came and saw you with David in Hampton last September. Um, David says, I've always wanted to talk to you about your history of producers and the collaborations which resulted in how the songs sounded. Yeah, interesting. Um, a good, interesting. I've never been asked that question. Yeah, he, he gives an example, actually. He said, how would Fire on the Cross have sounded if you'd recorded it on this last session with Tony Berg, for instance? Oh. Well, interestingly enough, I think that that may not have sounded that much different because uh, the reason I say that is because Fire on the Cross, I haven't listened to it in a while, but it if I remember correctly, it was just us in a room playing, you know, it was just a, it sounds very much like a band playing in a room, Fire in the Cross, and right. I think that this last record sounds like that too. Now, had I made Fire in the Cross with Mike Mangini, who worked with me on the second CD of the Spirit Trail record, then it would have been more of a, you know, loopy, you know, more of a sort of uh, dusty sound of sounding, you know, loop record. Right. Uh, more produced in a, in a sort of a pop manner, but then it had it been on the first CD of Spirit Trail, that the, that that CD of Spirit Trail, 
is once again a band in a room playing. It's a it's a band record from from King of the Hill and and Resting Place and Sad Moon and uh, the, the the two preachers and sure. on a, Pete and Pete and Manny on and on. That first the, the two CDs of Spirit Trail are very different in their approach uh, production wise. One of them was produced by by me, and that's just us playing. And then the second one was Mike Mangini, which was more about sort of pop production, I guess you could say. The the see the same ways and sunflower cats uh, fun house and so uh but but fire on the cross produced by tony berg and myself this time i don't think would have been that different hmm. i really don't i uh you know what i just think i would have sung it better now to be perfectly <laughs> honest i think there would have been uh, that's i would have been i would have found it to be listenable i don't find Especially the first two records, I, I found them hard to listen to at this point in my career. Because yeah, I've heard you say that a lot. It, yeah, well, I just yeah, well, at least I'm consistent. <laughs> <laughs> David went on to ask, uh, are there any producers that you still want to collaborate with in the future? Well, the aforementioned Russ Teitelman. Yeah. I've talked to Russ. He's been, he's been sort of on me for years, wanting, wanting to do something with me. And, and I would. I told him just the other night when I was with him, we all went to see the Tom Wopat Sondheim on Sondheim uh, review, and we all, meaning my friend DiMatteo and Russ and I, and uh, I said, Russ, we, uh, if, if one of these one-off projects, like one of these tribute records comes up, I'd like to, do, let, let, let's, let's do that and see how it goes, and, and he said, yes, of course, okay, <laughs> so, mm. uh, so, but that's just something that I'm just in my mind, because I was just with him a couple of weeks ago, uh, Otherwise, I frankly, I loved working with Tony. Uh, he's an old friend, and, and, and uh, we became closer friends working on this project. And so I would work with him again. I mean, I know the record wasn't successful at all, but, uh, but I really liked, I, li- I enjoyed the process with him, and I liked what we came, the, the end product. So I would do that again. But there are other pro- uh, producers that I've worked with that I feel the same way about. Mike Mangini, I'd work with him again. Uh, Don Gaiman from way back... In the, the, in the the aforementioned Night on the Cross uh, record of uh, uh, Night on the Town, I'd work with him again. So I don't know. My next record of, uh, uh, I guess what you'd call a studio record, will probably be something I've never done before, which is very stripped down, virtually a piano vocal uh, record, uh, 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 featuring so versions of the new uh, uh, of the the latter the the, the later. Uh, sick bastard songs, musical songs. Okay. Because we have a bunch of them that no one's heard. We have we've written several since I was touring. Such oh right, songs. okay. So they're in that are in the musical. Yes, right. Such okay. songs as Neighborhood Watch and Who Takes Care of Mom and Quasar and Face to Face and a bunch of new songs uh, that I I quite like. Okay. Uh, so uh, so that that that, that plus. Uh, Several, a few, a few songs that that we recorded for the Levitate record that didn't make it. There's a song called "Where's the Bat." Actually, "Where's the Bat" probably won't even make the musical, but it's a, a song I like a lot. That, okay. Uh, that is, so, so we, I've got a whole bunch of songs. Certainly enough for an, another record. So we've got lots of records uh, uh, to come in the future. The next one will be. Well, I say this, maybe things could change, but it, the way it looks now, I think the next record will be the. Uh, the sequel to Here Come the Noisemakers, the second live album, Bride of the Noisemakers. Okay. I think that's going to be the next record to come out about a year from now. 
just in time for us to really hit the road and uh, and tour behind it. Uh, then maybe the next year it might be a solo piano co- solo concerts version of the same thing, a, li- a live solo concerts uh, for people who for people who like the solo gigs. Uh, and then sometime around that same time, probably what I would probably call songs from Sick Bastard, songs from SCKBSTD, what I was just talking about, the uh, a studio uh, record, basically piano, virtually piano and vocal with maybe a little little of my, my new favorite dulcimer instrument. Yes, <laughs> I've so. seen the videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you haven't seen... I didn't play dulcimer at, uh, at the first time you saw Actually, no, dulcimer yes, State. you did. Of course, you I, played it in Hampton. Yes, you did. I think I did, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daryl Nash wrote in uh, with some trivia, actually, which I don't know how many people knew. He said, I read recently that you once worked in tandem with the well-known television theme producer, Mike Post, who did Hill Street Blues and NYPD Blue. Yeah. He says, and I'd be curious to know more about that relationship. Okay, well, it's uh, it all... You can, you can draw a very clear line, uh, sort of a genealogy, genealogy, a genealogical chart of uh, Bruce's music biz connections. Okay, as you may or may not know, I was discovered originally by Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers. Mm. I introduced him to people as my discoverer and founder, <laughs> and he he heard us in, in a bar, steak and ale restaurant lounge, uh, December of 1978 he tried to help us we made a very mediocre demo tape that he would take around to producers when he was doing sessions for them because for a while mike mcdonald was sort of the sound of the radio not just his own records but he was singing background on so many other people's records Mm. and and so many people were having hits with with records that he was singing on and uh so one of the guys that he turned our tape on to was a producer the producer at mike post along with writing uh so many TV themes and TV scores through the years from the mid-70s on. He was also uh, a successful uh, producer of of records. And so Mike Post really wanted to work with us. He liked our tape. I think he was one of the few people who actually liked it. (laughs) So so we met Mike, and we liked him instantly. Then the next year, I guess that would be the, the fall of 79, we went to <clears throat> to L.A. and made a made a six song demo tape with Mike Post that was uh, received with the collective yawn by the, the music industry, sort of like my last record was our last record was. Uh, and uh, so we became, but we stayed friends. And uh, he really tried to help uh, our old guitar player at the time, Steve Watson from South Carolina, and Molo uh, did some sessions for him. Steve, in particular, ended up being a really successful. Uh, guitar player on TV shows, for, for, mostly for Post, and so uh, I haven't seen Post in years, but he's an old old friend, and uh, I'd love to run into him. Last God, it's probably been 15 years since I saw him. He came to see us play at the Wiltern Theater, and that may be the last time. Anyway, <clears throat> that's the story of the Mike Post connection. Mike Post. Here's a, a question that's intrigued me. Uh, a guy that you know, Sean Smith. Yeah, he called me up actually a few weeks yeah, he's, ago. He's our de facto photographer. Yes, uh, what a great job he does. Band photographer. What's that? I said, what a great job he does. He does a great job. Yeah, have you seen the pictures that he took from the Portland Music Hall, Portsmouth Music Hall? Uh, maybe, 
maybe not. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, know, I was f- talking three or four years ago. Oh right. no, this, 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 these were just taken this this past fall. Oh, okay. He did send me some recently, actually. Okay, yeah, these were just taken last fall with JT really in the foreground. <laughs> yes, uh, I have seen them. Okay, yeah. uh, actually, you'll see them. Just let me just go uh, move quickly on to. Uh, something else that's happening you probably know about this but uh sony's putting out they have a series a mid-price series called the very best of series and they're putting out a very best of of me uh really just in a a couple of weeks i think june 1st it's coming out and i think it's a really nice package uh it obviously has you know some of the old hit records but not many of them actually i can kind of go through it okay tell what's on there but but some of the there are six pictures on this and one of them is uh a Sean Smith shot <laughs> from the Portsmouth Music Hall. Okay, uh, but but anyway, but we can get back to that. We can come back to the Sony. I can talk about what's on there because there's, there's some new unreleased music on that too. You've actually just answered his question, Bruce, because Sean oh. called me and said Sony had called me up and uh, wanted yeah. to buy a couple of photos, and uh, I have no idea what they want them for, and I didn't ask. Oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> well, that's that, that answers his question. That's really funny. That the record uh, I try to cram as much music on. As possible, it it goes from the original way it is record all the way to Cyclone, uh, Verve licensed licensed Cyclone to Sony. Uh, mm. So it it, it has uh, it, it has you know two of the old hits, way it is Valley Road. Then it, then it goes uh, to Lost Soul from the box set, uh, the the Colvin the Sean Colvin duet, which I think is just gorgeous. So I had to include it, and uh, that's sort of that's the song from the Night of the Town record that I put on it. And then uh, Talk of the Town is from Harbor Lights. Hmm. These are records that, to me, just held up pretty well. Then from Hot House, White Wheel Limousine, with, of course, Bela and Pat Metheny jamming away on it. Debbie Henry yes. roaring away on the end. And uh, Just once again, I thought that song really held up. From Spirit Trail, I put uh, Sad Moon, which I think really holds up for, uh, for me. Uh, then... There's uh, a solo piano version of Sticks and Stones, five okay. uh, from last year, unreleased. Then there are three songs from the uh, Halcyon Days record. There's uh, uh, Changes Made, uh, Song F, and Mirror on the Wall, which I thought was one that sort of one that got away. I thought it should have been something yeah. that was more dealt with on that record, but. You know, the powers that be, the self-appointed arbiters of taste, never really thought so. So I'm putting it back out here. Two songs from the Skaggs Hornsby record. I think it's uh, yeah, Dreaded Spoon and Mandolin Rain, that version, which I love. And uh, the title song, Camp Meeting, from the jazz record. And then uh, and then Cyclone. So really, I think it's a, if you have to have a one CD retrospective yeah th- this to me uh hangs together pretty well and it sort of gives you the whole the, uh, uh, a broader picture in one cd than, than has ever been out there you know way, way more so than say the greatest radio hits right a- and uh it's uh, I, th- there's no promotion to be done with this i don't think they're it's just something they just throw out there but for people who are interested oh that's right and 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 uh an end of the innocence is also there toward the end uh of the, of the CD, it's once again an, an, an unreleased live version from just this past year that I thought was really strong. Okay. So uh, that's, there you go. 
talking of some of the labels, David Wiggs says after leaving RCA and then to Columbia. Well, I didn't leave. Applied Davis dropped me. I mean, right. that's, a, that's a very nice way of saying yes after leaving. <laughs> okay, after RCA and then <laughs> and then Columbia and then Verve. He says, "Are you getting the kind of support that you want and need from a record label?" Well, it's a it, it, that's a really complex question, mm -hmm. you know, because the music business is unrecognizable in in 2010 uh, from uh, the, the, what it was when I first started. It's a completely different, totally transformed uh, playing field arena, and so am I getting the support? You know, well, let's be serious. I mean, I'm 55 years old, and so you know, it's not like the, the standard avenues uh, for getting the word out uh, about your record are still available to me. You know, radio would never play right. you know, anybody my age. You know, you see it with anybody. I was just talking with Bonnie Raitt about this thing about a couple months ago. She called me out of the blue. I was sitting at a St. Louis Cardinals spring training game visiting my old pal Larusa, and the phone rings out of the blue. It's Bonnie. And it's interesting because we had had a similar experience. She was she had gotten a little burnt out with the scene herself, right? And was trying to to take a break. And we were commiserating about this and found that we'd had so many of the same experiences and emotions about these experiences in the past year. It was it just it was uncanny how because we hadn't talked in quite a while, right. uh, maybe about maybe maybe a year. And uh, we, but we had sort of in our own way, gone through a very similar experience in the, in the past year. Uh, so, so am I getting the support that I would like? Uh, I, I, probably not, but, but I'm not one to really complain about it. I understand it, you know. Mm. I'm not one to blame the record company if one of my records is a stiff, you know. And so, so but I guess the short answer is probably not. But, but, but. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm, I was sat in the room with you years and years back when you got some publicity photos from RCA, and they yeah. actually spelt your name wrong. <laughs> well, now that was rare. I, amazingly <laughs> enough, with such an odd name as Hornsby, I, I, it hasn't, it, I, I don't get that very often, but, that, but that, that, I, I, it's so easy to blame a record company and to just rag on them and go, oh, what, you know, what right. buffoons or no nothings, but I, I don't tend to, to I don't really like to do that. I, no, I'm, no, I'm not much for that. I, I, certainly, for most of my years at RCA, they really tried. Uh, the Big Swing Face record was an exception. It's so funny when we were making that, they were all so, they were so supportive and, wow, what a great move, what a great change, you know, and it's exciting to try this new, a, a different direction and sort of reinvent yourself. And then when the record came out, they kind of went, well, we don't know what to do with it. Right. <laughs> so that was pretty disheartening. Uh, that was pretty tough. So, so, but but I, I'm not, not going to really bitch about it. I, I don't, no, I don't know what they could have, I don't know really what they could have done because, see, it's, it's so hard in the music business. If, if you get known for one thing and then you do it, then you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I've said this many times. If you do something really different they uh they go uh well if you do the same old thing they go ho hum same old thing right Bo boring if you do something different 
they'll go, well, where's the Bruce Hornsby we like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's a really difficult situation. Uh, I had the, uh, I just signed a new deal in, in uh, December with Sony ATV Music and uh, uh, Marty Bandier, uh, Danny Strick, being sort of the principals, uh, Kathleen Carey out on the West Coast, and, I, and Danny Strick and uh, one of his uh, assistants or partners, uh, John Campanelli, came down here just this past Tuesday. And I played him a, a bunch of songs, a bunch of music that I knew they would not know, that I thought, you know, this has not been exploited, you know, to maybe to get some songs in movies and su- such. And I played him, for instance, Try Anything Once. Okay. And they just lo- you know, they just went, wow, what a good record, and this is perfect. I, I told them, to the years of my sons, I've watched a lot of movies like American Pie, right. one, two, three, four, and eight, you know. Right. Uh, and, and so often the, the boys would say to me, hey, Dad, I think Try Anything Once would sound great in this big party scene here. Right. And I totally agreed with them. So I said, you know, nobody knows this. No one even know, would know it was me. But uh, but check this out, and they heard it and went, wow, of course, it's perfect for that sort of thing. So they'll probably try, they'll probably really try to get it placed. Who knows, they'll be, they'll be successful. But uh, I think that, that was, a, that was an, an example of, of, a, of one that got away to me, kind of right. like I was saying about Mirror on the Wall or in this last record's case, Invisible. Uh, on the Spirit Trail record, we thought see the same way. Uh, it's just hard to get a record company to be uh, uh, on the same page with you. There's a question kind of related to that from Kevin Black, who talks about the reception. He did touch on it. He says, how do you handle the media when they either support or criticize your music? Kevin Kevin Black, like like, like the, the family of the Blacks on Curb, Curb Your Enthusiasm. You, you, ever, you ever seen that show? I've heard of it. I've not seen it. That I think it would uh, be very popular sort of on a Ricky Gervais level in, in the U.K. Uh, oh, yeah, actually, I've heard comparisons like that. Yeah, you know, it's very funny. I saw, I saw an extras the other day that just killed me when he was... Oh, God. Have you seen yeah. the David Bowie one? I have seen it. I love it. <laughs> have you, I saw the one where the agent was having a toss under the, the table. When yes. He in. <laughs> Tossing about over a pen. Yes. Well, it's just hilarious. Anyway, the, yeah, so Kevin Black, maybe from... The family of the blacks on Curb Your Enthusiasm, but probably not. Go ahead. What, did, what does Kevin want to know? <laughs> he asked how you handle the media when they either support or criticize your music. Well, that's a good question. How do I handle it? I don't really handle it at all. I, I, I'm, I'm not one. My old friend Don Henley is uh, well known for writing these you know, scathing <laughs> replies, scathing <laughs> missives to, uh, to people who have ripped him in the press. He used to copy me on them, and they were just fantastic. You're, such lines as, yours is yet another off-key voice in the choir of mediocrity that is rock journalism. <laughs> so you know, so I, I regret that he doesn't copy me on these anymore because they were always a scream to read. But, uh, but I'm not one to do that, really. Uh, you, you know, in, in, my, in my case, you have, it's kind of like the live thing. You have people who who know me from that old hit time and have sort of typecast me and really have sort of, because of that, because they, they're not really in, if, they're, if they don't like that music, then they don't, they wouldn't tend to, it's only human nature. If you, you don't like what somebody's done, 
you're not really interested in giving them much of a chance in, in later with, with later offerings. And uh, mm. so, you know, I understand. So that's that's kind of a drag, but I understand it at the same time. And then, but the, the but most people who write about me have tended to, luckily for me, because I didn't have to do this, but they've tended to sort of keep up and and enjoy the journey and and uh, realize, well, this wasn't just about. This is, was not a one-trick pony scenario, you know, where the guy would, could could do this one thing and just kept doing it over and over. Uh, that's you know clearly not been what my path has been about. And so, uh, so you know, when I get some, it, it, uh, when I get someone who basically says, "Oh, Bruce Hornsby, the the adult contemporary M.O.R. guy from the '80s," well, you know, I, obviously part of me goes, "Well, wish they knew." you know, camp meeting, you know, <laughs> right. or, or whatever, or levitate, any, any, mm-hmm. or the spirit trail, anything, uh, the big swing phase for that matter. Uh, uh, but, uh, generally I get people who know, who, who, who know what it's about, who, who, who are, who are more aware. Uh, I think when you have younger writers though, I think they probably tend to not be aware of the recent stuff and just sort of look at the, you know, the all music guide and, and go, oh, yeah, this is the guy who had those hits. So, you know, when you have big hits, you have a lot of people who know a little bit about you, and that, that, can, be, that can be a drag. But generally, I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm, generally, I'm pretty lucky with it, I, I think. You're listening to the Bruce.com podcast. Yes, we are, Teos. I'd like to thank Bruce for spending some time in the last couple of weeks, uh, and thank you guys also. There's almost... 800 or actually over 800 of you now who uh, subscribe to this nonsense um, and for sending in your questions and your feedback always appreciated uh, wanted to point you towards a new website up this week and uh, I would sing its praises really because it's one of mine uh, but don't pay any attention to the design of it have a look at the content and listen to the music it's Catherine Holtkamp who's featured on our cover projects before, notably singing Fortunate Son and I Can't Make You Love Me. Uh, she has her own website up now at katherineholtcamp.com. That's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-H-O-L-T-K-A-M-P.com. Uh, open the site up and you'll immediately hear a tremendous reworked version of Resting Place. It's a cliche to say that someone's made a particular song their own but uh she's certainly put a new spin on an old favorite uh, i could put it on here but that kind of defeats the object of her website so check that one out and uh, do please keep uh, your questions for bruce coming also uh, we've got some in reserve to ask him next time also Uh, Next week, it'll likely just be me, unless I can find a willing volunteer to talk. Um, I've seen some suggestions for other guests, and I will try and put something in motion there. But for now, thank you again. I hope you enjoyed that one. Do keep the uh, Facebook messages and the board posts and the emails coming, and I will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Bruce.com podcast. Good night.